Yo, 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 it's your boy JTG, and you're listening to Marking Out. Wait for it. Wait for it. Cheer! This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans, we Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans, we Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans, we Marking Out, y'all. Running like this Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans, we Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Marking Out Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 559, and I am doing awesome as always. And I am one of the hosts, Brandon. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BTTG161. I'm not joined here by Dave and Chris, but go ahead and follow them anyways. You can follow Dave at David. PTDPT on Twitter and Instagram, Chris on Twitter at Chris Sweendog. Collectively, you could follow us on Twitter at Marking Out, Instagram and YouTube, Marking Out 11. Check us out, Facebook.com slash Marking Out, MarkingOut.com. Use the code regardless to get yourself 20% off over at Manscaped.com. You get free shipping as well. ProWrestlingTees.com slash mark it out. Pick up some merch. We got uh, four different designs, a bunch of different colors for each design, uh, except for the regardless shirt. But uh, head over there, ProWrestlingTees.com slash mark it out. Pick up some merch. Uh, Real quick, I'm just going to talk about my week. Didn't really do much. Did some grilling. Great great weather outside. I don't think it's going to be lasting. But as we move into the colder months of autumn, I hope to continue to grill. And I've said that many times on this show before. I don't think weather should stop somebody from doing outdoor activities like grilling. Um, But outside of that, I I watched Zootopia, Wreck-It Ralph, and Ralph Breaks the Internet for the first time ever. I thought Zootopia was definitely the best of the three, and I liked Ralph Breaks the Internet better than Wreck-It Ralph due to all the Disney stuff that was included. And not just Disney, I liked that they had Star Wars stuff, even though I don't like Star Wars. They had Marvel, uh, Muppets as well. I thought it was really cool. But uh, outside of that, I just I watched a bunch of wrestling. And I'm going to talk about AEW Rampage. They did Friday night. Ty Conti defeated Santana Garrett. This was the buy-in. I believe the last time they shared a ring was 2017, but I don't think they even touched each other. It was a a battle royal on NXT. But Ty Conti has grown so much since then, and it was nice to see Santana Garrett here. After that, on the buy-in, which started... um, I think this started at 9 p.m. on YouTube. Yeah, 9 p.m. on YouTube. Bobby Fish picked up the victory over Lee Moriarty, which it's really nice to see Moriarty getting this recognition because I think he's really good. He definitely deserves this recognition. And he's now signed with AEW, so that's awesome for him. Uh, but this was one of those like indie matches that you could have hoped to get to witness in, per- in, in person. Like, if I'm going to an independent wrestling show, and I see that match, that's dope, because this match was was awesome. And obviously, Bobby Fish is ridiculously good. 
I just think it's too bad that Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly couldn't go to SmackDown as a tag team and, like, rule the tag division. Because Bobby Fish still has it. it, That's still one of those, like, surprising releases. Main event of the buy-in saw Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson pick up the victory over Minoru Suzuki. They're not strangers to one another. They've tagged, they've wrestled each other a few times, but I think only once one-on-one, and that was in 2004. So, this was enjoyable. Definitely, I would say, the most enjoyable Suzuki match that we've seen in AEW. I mean, I would even go as far to say it was the best Daniel Bryan match in AEW. I see the the one clip going around from this match was the one with the um, the forearm from Suzuki to Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan just eats it. I thought that was fantastic. And this might be one of Daniel Bryan's most hard-hitting matches in years. And I don't think this should have been on a buy-in on YouTube. 100% it shouldn't have been. But after that, we had the kickoff for Rampage kicked off. CM Punk picked up the victory over Matt Seidel. I saw somebody say that this match was better than uh, Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki, but I definitely enjoyed the other match more. Um, and like I said last week, I don't need these obvious wins for CM Punk. I don't think that we're going to see... Seidel and CM Punk wrestle again, but I wouldn't mind seeing that. I I just, I don't like the fact that they're like, oh, Matt Seidel has the best opportunity to defeat CM Punk. And it's like, he's never defeated CM Punk. So why start now? And why in his short career back in wrestling, would he lose to Matt Seidel in a random match on a random rampage? After that, Ruby Soho picked up the victory over the Bunny. I thought it was a decent match, but I think it should have been over sooner than it was. I like that bottom rope German suplex from the Bunny. I thought that was pretty cool. But I hated that backslide finish. I don't, uh, I don't know. It just it was too slow for me. But Penelope Ford came out afterwards and attacked Ruby Soho. The Bunny joined in, and then Penelope Ford knocked her out with those uh, brass knucks. Main event saw Men of the Year and Junior Dos Santos pick up the victory over the Inner Circle. I think if it wasn't for how good Sammy Guevara is, Dos Santos being dressed like 2005 Jim Duggan might have been my favorite part of this. (laughs) And I I mean, Dos Santos, he was a, a little bit sloppy, but overall, this was his first pro wrestling match. And overall, I was way more impressed than I thought he was going to be. Or I was way more impressed than I thought I was going to be, I should say. I thought he was more impressive than I thought he was going to be. But overall, I mean, even the the, the table spot, Jake Hager put him through a table. He took a, a table bump, a Uranagi through that table. Paige Van Zant distracted the referee and Jorge Masvidal hit Chris Jericho with that running knee strike. That, to me, was the worst spot of the match because right after the knee, the referee stopped caring that Paige Van Zant was up on that ring apron and counted the three for Scorpio Sky as if she wasn't distracted with Paige Van Zant for the whole time before the knee. 
That made no sense, but American Top Team continued the attack afterwards until Santana and Ortiz ran down. That was the end of Rampage. Pretty pretty decent, including the buy-in. I thought this was the best Rampage since the first episode. Uh, but after that, uh, we had Saturday Night Dynamite. Had to move due to the NHL, and that will be the same for this coming week as well. By the time you already listened to this, you probably already saw Rampage, and you probably already saw Dynamite. But last week's Dynamite kicked off. Malachi Black picked up the victory over Dante Martin. We saw Leo Rush in Dante Martin's corner. The only problem that I have with Malachi Black's booking is how sometimes he's a killer, and sometimes it'll take like 10 minutes to pick up that victory. But regardless of that, I enjoy this match. I see a match like this, and I really, a lot like Bobby Fish, I don't understand that, how he got released from WWE. Mid-storyline, might I add. I just, I don't know. I don't get it. Also, the spot that I didn't get, uh, Malachi Black releasing that that half crab. I thought that was super random. And then they, they tried to, I think they said something with his ribs, but that I didn't. That didn't make sense. And then also Dante Martin had a bum knee, but he was still doing springboard moves. But overall, I enjoyed that match. And later on, Leo Rush said that Dante Martin will be his new tag team partner. I don't know how far this will go. I don't see them winning the tag team titles or anything. After that, the inner circle came out to address American Top Team, but they get cut off by American Top Team. Chris Jericho attacked Paige Van Zant for many things in the same category, which I didn't uh, didn't get that. I feel like that's very backwards. But the inner circle, the main thing from this, they challenged them to a 10, 10-man tag match. Dan Lambert said that they have terms to that match, which he'll announce next week. They kind of hyped up Sammy Guevara being the TNT champion, so I'm thinking maybe that if those terms might be something like uh, Sammy Guevara's title will be on the line if if the inner circle loses, maybe. I don't know. But a few weeks ago, Andrade announced that he had some masked friends to face the Lucha Bros for the Tag Team Championships. Everyone, including myself, went crazy thinking, like, big-name luchadors, who it could be. But instead, we saw we saw the debut of Los Superranas, the Super Frogs. And then it was revealed to be FTR. FTR picked up the victory over the Lucha Bros to become the new AAA Tag Team Champions. Commentary kind of ruined this for me. I think it was CM Punk. He's like, ah, that's clearly FTR. And then one of them was like, oh, you're right. I can see that's definitely so-and-so's body. Why would you even speculate that? Like, why would you ruin, especially because they had a moment in the match where they got unmasked. For the fans at home, why would you ruin that shock value if fans weren't putting two and two together? I didn't think it looked like FTR. But Dash tried to use the title in front of the referee. Had no problem doing that. Tully Blanchard ran down to actually distract the referee, and then Dawson used the the title. How that makes sense, I don't know. And as far as storylines go on TV, 
this could be great. I'm happy that FTR are some form of tag team champions right now because they've sat dormant for quite some time. But for AAA, I don't see this going both ways. I don't see I don't see them working AAA. They did a backstage thing where Andrade ended up paying MJF for allowing him to use FTR. I think Andrade's kind of been a dud in AEW. Do I see FTR showing up in AAA to defend the titles? I don't know. Perhaps Jack Evans and, and Helico will be the next tag team champions. They've been uh, multi-time AAA tag team champions. I don't know. After that, we had a quick, like, 10-second match. John Moxley picked up the victory over Wheeler Yuta. I don't get the point of this, but it was a very quick match. Serena Deeb was interviewed backstage and said that she had to drag the, the division up to her level. And she got attacked by Hikaru Shida. I think the best part of this... Well, I mean, it was a good promo. I thought it was a, a really good promo from Serena Deeb. But for me, the pop of this was CM Punk mentioning her hair. Given that he had shaved it off many years ago. So I thought that was cool to uh, do a little throwback for that. But earlier in the night, we saw Jurassic Express talking backstage. And the Elite jumped them. The Elite then go on to have this match. They pick up the victory over Dark Order. The Elite attacked the Dark Order before the match. And uh, as far as the match, I didn't really care for it. I think it was like definition indie wrestling. Not like Bobby Fish versus Moriarty. This was uh, a lot of Young Buck spots. At one point, Evil Uno used Mr. Sacco. I don't think he's used that before. I thought that was awkward. We got, instead of the Young Bucks kissing Adam Cole's face, Johnny and Alex ended up doing that, which I thought that was funny. I think that was probably, for me, like the the spot of the match. Um, but the referee had no control over this. Typical Young Buck match, no control. And afterwards was the bigger picture. Jungle Boy came out, attacked all of them, or tried to. They end up leaving, and he takes out Brandon Cutler. I That was the biggest part. I don't know why we're still seeing Jurassic Express versus Young Bucks. I want Jungle Boy, and why was Jungle Boy not in the title tournament eliminator gimmick? Or why isn't he? After that, there was a Nightmare Factory segment, uh, vignette gimmick, video package. Cody Rhodes showed up late and all the students had the nerve to rail him out for it. Like, is he, he's the coach. Who cares when he shows up, right? He's getting paid regardless. But uh, Red Velvet ends up slapping him. Arn Anderson had all of them do, like, drills with Cody as if Cody was a student. This was to train him to, I guess, overcome Malachi Black, which was is going to happen on Dynamite. I really hope Cody Rhodes does not win that. I thought this was a bad segment. After that, though, we saw MJF come out for a match against Darby Allen, but Darby Allen was not there. Uh, he was attacked last week by Mystery Men, which people thought were to be the pinnacle. 
MJF, though, had Wardlow bring out a referee so the referee could count to 10 and raise MJF's arm if Darby Allen doesn't come out. And then at the 10 count, uh, Sting came out. And then MJF threw Wardlow at Sting. Sting attacked him with a baseball bat, and that was the end of that segment. Anna Jay backstage was being interviewed. Britt Baker cuts it off and called the Dark Order a bunch of losers. Anna Jay attacks her. They ended up brawling. I believe that match is set for next week. Penelope Ford picked up the victory over Kiara Hogan. Nice to see Hogan here. But I think it was obvious that Penelope Ford was picking up that victory. Afterwards, Ruby Soho ran down and attacked Penelope Ford. So that continues their storyline. I guess that... I don't remember them mentioning it, but that's probably a TBS. Maybe that'll be a TBS title tournament match. After that, a Miro video package where I think he cut a promo on God. I'm not positive, but that's what it sounded like to me. And he said he's going to snap a bunch of necks until he gets his championship back. Maybe this is going to lead to Lana's debut in AEW. I don't, uh, I don't know about this one just yet, but obviously we have to give this time. After that, Adam Page came out to talk about many things. He'll be facing Kenny Omega at full gear. That is 100% confirmed for the AEW Championship. He spoke about Cowboy stuff and what it means to him. I thought this was a fantastic promo by Adam Page. At the beginning of AEW back in 2019, I did not think he should have been anywhere near the AEW championship scene. And now, if he doesn't walk out of full gear as AEW champion, I will be completely shocked. And there was a, for me, there was a huge transformation between Bullet Club member eight versus AEW guy number one. So, I hope he becomes the AEW champion at full gear. Do I necessarily see that happening? I don't know. But the main event of AEW Dynamite, we saw uh, Brian Danielson pick up the victory over Bobby Fish. Great match. I wish it was longer. I think their buy-in matches between the two of them. Lee Moriarty versus Bobby Fish, Daniel Bryan versus Minoru Suzuki. I thought those matches were better than this one. Daniel Bryan made Bobby Fish tap with a heel hook. That's Fish's finisher. I don't think they mentioned that at all. I thought that was weird. But I like how quickly Daniel Bryan released the hold after he tapped him out. But that moves on to them announcing the World Title Eliminator Tournament, which starts on Rampage next week. And it seems like the finals are set up to be John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. I feel like that'll be the finals. And I will be annoyed if it's John Moxley versus Lance Archer. But I don't see that happening. I would see Moxley picking up the victory over 10. Somehow 10 is in the tournament. Orange Cassidy picking up the victory over Hobbs. Brian Danielson over Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes, I don't know, like, where did they get these names from? What has Dustin Rhodes been doing? 
Lance Archer over Eddie Kingston, I assume, and then Moxley over Orange Cassidy, and then Brian Danielson over Lance Archer. And then I think we could see Daniel Bryan versus Moxley with Brian Danielson picking up that victory. Moving on to face Hangman Adam Page at the next big event. Uh, but that is AEW Dynamite. Going to take a quick little break here and hear a word from Manscaped. And I'll be right back here on Marking Out. Support for Marking Out is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Look, I mean, I've done it. Dave's done it. Brandon's never done it. You're down there. You, sh- you know, shave it up, making sure everything looks clean and fresh, and you get a nick. You get a little cutsky there, and it stinks. It's no, it, it's no fun whatsoever. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. It's the ball hair trimmer equivalent of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. When I tell you this is premium. I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Because we all know that Brandon's gonna need it. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. So that way, you don't make a mess all over your bathroom. The one coolest feature is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet shrug technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So that way I can charge my lawnmower 3.0, my camera batteries, and my phone all on the same shelf. Huzzah! If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's one for this uh, read, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's two for this read, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code REGARDLESS. That's three for this read. And folks, if you want your boomer sooner to be fruity, delicious, fruity, fruity, delicious, fruity, delicious, well, then use the code REGARDLESS to get 20% off and free shipping. That's now four for this read. Don't forget to sauce it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 559. Remember to head over to manscaped.com. Use that code regardless. Get yourself 20% off and free shipping. You make sure your pumpkin patch is all trimmed up, ready for Halloween. <laughs> Use the lawnmower 4.0. You can get the weed whacker nose hair trimmer. There's body wash that you can get. Or you can get uh, some boxers, a t-shirt. Pick it up, manscaped.com. Use the code REGARDLESS, 20% off and free shipping. Going to move over to Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. And it opened up with Charlotte Flair complaining about Bianca Belair having a title shot on Monday Night Raw and at Crown Jewel. Bianca Belair came out and said that she deserved the rematch with Charlotte. And then Flair attacked her and Bianca Belair got her up for the kiss of death. But Flair wiggled her way out. And then Bianca Belair did a handspring or a heads, whatever those things are called. I think it's called a handspring. (laughs) 
<laughs> and knock Charlotte off the apron. She, uh, she did that in heels. Quite impressive, I'd say. After that, first match of the evening saw Xavier Woods pick up the victory over Jinder Mahal to advance to the finals of the King of the Ring tournament. Shanky got involved, but uh, Xavier Woods got, uh, got Shanky out of there. He went to jump off the top rope, and Jinder Mahal caught him with the Coloss, just like he did with Kofi Kingston last week. But at the last second, Xavier Woods was able to grab that rope to break the pin. And then Jinder tried to put another Coloss on Xavier Woods from the middle rope. He failed. Woods hit the limit break and picked up that victory. And I legitimately thought we could have seen Jinder Mahal win the King of the Ring tournament. So I'm, I'm kind of happy that didn't happen there. I would have been fine with Jinder as the the tournament champion but yeah at some point you start to pull for Xavier Woods there uh there hasn't been a face winner since 2001 when Edge picked up that victory so it was nice that Xavier Woods was able to at least make it to the finals via Monday Night Raw we saw a video from earlier on in the day of Austin Theory being interviewed but it was interrupted by Reggie and his chase of the 24-7 championship guys. He escaped, but R-Truth grabbed him. And Theory got in R-Truth's face. And it led to a match between the two of them. So we thought it was going to. But Jeff Hardy ends up coming out. R-Truth ends up saying that he didn't let him finish. It's not a match against me. It's a match against my friend, Jeff Hardy. And then Jeff Hardy uh, lost to Austin Theory. I think, first of all, it's pretty rare that we get to see R-Truth wrestle these days, so I was excited for that, but we didn't get to see him. Uh, I thought it was a decent match. Not too much took place in it, but Austin Theory picked up that victory with the ATL. Pinned him clean. Took a picture with him afterwards, and then Jeff Hardy popped up, hit him with that twist of fate, and then took his own picture with with Austin Theory. And that's uh, Jeff's send-off from Monday Night Raw. After that, we saw Big E and Drew McIntyre pick up the victory over the Dirty Dogs. Big, uh, big coexisting gimmicks all over Twitter and commentary for this. It's a pretty standard tag team match, though. I think they were pretty, pretty uh, able to coexist in this. I, um, I hope the aided Famouser that. Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler did ends up in WWE 2K22. Not the first time we've seen that move. Uh, after that, we saw Mansoor pick up the victory over Cedric Alexander, which I thought for sure Mansoor was losing heading into Crown Jewel, but he picked up that victory. Mustafa Ali came out afterwards, and Mansoor basically just guaranteed a victory over him. I thought it was a really good fired-up promo from Mansoor. After that, we had a Goldberg and Bobby Lashley interview where they couldn't be in the same place at the same time because they want to kill each other or Goldberg really wants to kill Bobby Lashley. I couldn't care less about that interview. Matchup next, RK-Bro picked up the victory over the Street Profits via disqualification. We had the, I think, debut of that spinning uh, gut-wrench suplex from Matt Riddle, which I thought was really cool. Almost came out during this uh, as Randy Orton was about to set up for the RKO. 
AJ Styles hits that phenomenal forearm, causing the disqualification, and then almost took the other three out. And out of this segment, it had me thinking I'd really like to see Randy Orton versus Montez Ford one-on-one. After that, Dewdrop picked up the victory over Shayna Baszler to advance to the finals in the Queen's Crown Tournament. Zelina Vega came out to watch this match. She was already in the finals from SmackDown. But Dewdrop got out of a Kirafuda clutch, and then she gets locked in it again, almost passes out, and then leans back to pin Shayna Baszler. I wish Shayna Baszler was the one that was winning the the Queen's Crown, but now she's got her new storyline on SmackDown. I'm not unhappy that Dewdrop was the one that went to the finals. The matchup next, we saw Finn Balor pick up the victory over Mace. Xavier Woods came out to watch this match as that was going to be the finals of the King of the Ring tournament. I guess this was basically just to tease Finn Balor versus Xavier Woods, but I don't uh, I don't think this was a needed match. They could have just had a, a showdown, a little stare down before or after Xavier Woods won the, the match against Jinnah Mahal. After that, we saw John Morrison meditating backstage and the Viking Raiders came up to him to ask what he's been doing. And John Morrison said he's on a journey. Whatever comes of that, I don't know. But the main event of Monday Night Raw saw Bianca Belair pick up the victory over Charlotte Flair via disqualification. And I have to say, I really enjoyed this match up until that ending. Charlotte at one point got busted open by her mouth. That German suplex that Bianca Belair hit towards the end of the match I thought was really nice. The powerbomb from the top I thought was a bit wonky, but the fans ate up the, the kick out from that. But ultimately, Charlotte Flair used the chair, so she retains going to SmackDown as the, the Raw Women's Champion. That was Monday Night Raw moving over to NXT, which kicks off with Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams opening the show. Carmelo basically declaring himself the champion of NXT. And that brings out Johnny Gargano making his return. And he's like, I think what's next for me might be the North American Championship. And they told him basically not not to get into their business. Maybe they should he should worry about his daughter. And then Dexter Loomis showed up to even the odds. And Johnny Gargano even referred to him as his son-in-law. And then later on, he was missing, uh, Carmelo Hayes was missing his North American Championship. Trick Williams, I believe it was Trick that found a drawing inside of a locker of Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano basically challenging them to show up next week. Next week being Halloween Havoc. After that, we saw Odyssey Jones pick up the victory over Andre Chase. I can't say that Jones completely owned this match, but he was certainly the most powerful. And hopefully we see more of his power. I don't know, like for a few weeks, it just like, it stopped, which was weird. But after that, Malcolm Bivens spoke about Diamond Mine. And said that they're not waiting for opportunities. They're going to be taking it. Which led to a match. And Imperium actually picked up the victory over the Creed Brothers. It was a pretty good match too. Creed Brothers owning the ring. But Imperium holding their own. Proving that they belong in NXT. 
We saw Kushida come out, uh, as well as Ikaminjiro. That distracted Diamond Mine. Then MSK attacked Imperium afterwards, leading to the fans to chant, You suck at them. And Imperium versus MSK for the championships was set up for Halloween Havoc next week. I feel like the crowd might be heavily behind Imperium winning, and I feel like Imperium needs to win those titles, but I don't think they're they're the team that needs to be in this feud right now. But later on, Kushida was peeing, and Ikaminjiro scared him just to like mark out that he's with Kushida, and he wants to team with him. They did the time splitters gimmick, so that was cool. Uh, where that's going to lead to, I don't know. But after that, we saw a video package of Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner. Wagner training Kyle O'Reilly in the woods. They chopped some wood. They they drank some beer. So it looks like they're going to be 100% teaming up in the future. We also saw a video package with Joe Gacy and Harland where Joe Gacy wants to take him under his wing and make Harland even more powerful. We saw Santos Escobar put Carmelo Hayes on notice, and then turned it over to Electra Lopez to cut a promo, but she gets cut off by Cora Jade, leading into their match, where Cora Jade picked up the victory over Electra Lopez. Lopez showed off her power in this, but Jade got that quick pin like she did the other week. Which Lopez, I would say, definitely kicked out at the uh, the three count. But it wasn't on the referee's side, so the referee didn't see it. Not sure if they're going to make that into a storyline or not. I don't, uh, I don't know if they will. But we saw Io Shirai pick up the victory over JC Jane and Persia Parada. Because of that, Io Shirai and Zoe Stark got to spin the wheel to see what match they'll have at Halloween Havoc. JC Jane had a scary moment in this where she got her feet caught up on the ropes when she was hitting a dive to the outside. And she got up from, I believe she got up, and then for EO to do a dive spot to the outside. But then she was getting checked out by the doctor by the whole, the, the whole commercial break. EO just working Persia Parada during that, that break. And then the doctor ended up taking JC Jane out of the match. And I would say Io Shirai and, and Persia Parada went on to have a pretty decent match between the two of them. It showcased the strength of Parada, which I feel was like a, a theme of NXT this week. But she got out of the crossface. She lifted Io Shirai up. I thought that was cool. I thought it was about to be a sidewalk slam, but it was just like she let go. And uh, Io Shirai eventually hit the moonsault to pick up that victory. She spins the wheel. And it landed on Scareway to Hell match, which I swear to God thought it said Stairway to Hell match, which would have had a weapon up on the the being hung up, and then the, the, the team gets to use it. And then it's like a normal submission match or pin match, but uh, it was a, I guess it's going to be a normal ladder match between the three teams. We saw another video package for Solo Sokoa. He'll be debuting next week. So I'm looking forward to that. We saw Tony D'Angelo pick up the victory over Rue Fang. Quick match. Tony D'Angelo used his amateur wrestling skills again. And uh, used that Northern Light suplex into the Fisherman neck, neck breaker to 
to uh, pick up the victory. Afterwards, he was interviewed about the disappearance of the producer from lashing out, and Tony said he doesn't know anything about it. After that, we had another vignette for Duke Hudson this time. Duke Hudson's poker room. Which, uh, I guess... I mean, Swinger's Palace is pretty much uh, the same thing. I don't, uh, I still don't get this Duke Hudson gimmick change. Later on, we saw backstage uh, Legato del Fantasma ended up jumping Trey Baxter. And Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen joined in. They were supposed to have a match based off of that. And Legato continued the attack right before they made their way to the ring. And then Briggs and Jensen still showed up regardless of being hurt. Legato gets the win over them. But I thought it was pretty good. I like that regardless of them being hurt, they still went in and and showed up. Uh, Also, uh, Santos got involved there. But nothing much else to note from that. We saw a video package of Manny Rose and Raquel Gonzalez to hype up their match at Halloween Havoc next week. I don't necessarily see Manny Rose winning the NXT Women's Championship, but I'd totally be down for that. It's crazy to me that Manny Rose hasn't won a championship yet. We saw another vignette for what I'm going to say is definitely Dakota Kai. She she even threw crutches into the grave. She'll be at Halloween Havoc next week. L.A. Knight picked up the victory over Grayson Waller to become the host of Halloween Havoc. I thought it was a decent match. I just would have liked for a more Halloween-esque host. Like, I liked Shotzi Blackheart being the host last year. At least Chucky is going to be there as a... I don't know what the... In what capacity Chucky will be there, but I assume he'll be doing something with L.A. Knight. But hopefully he'll do something with Braun Breaker and Tommaso Ciampa earlier in the night. Just a little homage to Chucky doing something with Rick Steiner at Halloween Havoc. How could they not do that? But the main event saw Braun Breaker and Tommaso Ciampa team up and pick up the victory over the Grizzled Young Veterans. They are the team that I think should be in Imperium's place. But Breaker, we saw, wouldn't tag Champa in. Champa tags himself in. Gibson, at one point, ends up distracting Breaker. And Breaker chases him off. That's when Champa goes for the tag and Breaker wasn't there. It happened again later on. And instead of tagging him, Champa slaps Braun Breaker to tag him in. And... Braun eventually gets the victory for their team. I'd be disappointed if Champa loses the title next week, but at the same time, I feel like I'd be pretty pumped to see Braun Breaker as the NXT champion. But that was NXT. Halloween Havoc, like I said, next week. Moving over to NXT UK. Kicks off with Aaliyah James picking on the victory over Zaya Brookside, which was friendly competition. And I liked the match. I thought it was quite enjoyable. I wish Brookside was wrestling in the United States for NXT. But this match, we saw Zai Brookside. She went to go hit the Brookside bomb. Aaliyah James reverses it with the sunset flip and wins off of that, which for me was unexpected. 
And then Aaliyah James went to shake Zaya's hand afterwards. And Zaya kind of showing some bore, uh, some bad sportsmanship. Slaps her hand away. She's pissed off. After that, Jack Stars and Dave Mastiff team up to pick up the victory over Symbiosis via disqualification. We saw pretty deadly on commentary, or heard pretty deadly on commentary, I should say. And I'm definitely continuing to enjoy the team of Dave Mastiff and Jack Stars. I don't think they're going to be winning the NXT UK Tag Team Championships, but I definitely would enjoy seeing them in a multi-teamed match for those titles at like a takeover or something. But as far as this match goes, Eddie Dennis ends up using a chair on Jack Stars, and that causes the DQ. Oliver Carter and Ashton Smith ran down, make the save, and that, that leads to what I can only assume will be a multi-person tag match. Backstage or at the Performance Center, Charlie Dempsey was being interviewed Gallus cut it off, which led into a pull-apart, not a brawl, but just a pull-apart between Gallus and Teoman and Rohan Raja. Uh, as far as Dempsey goes, I don't know when we're going to see him wrestle next, but I thought he was super impressive, so hopefully soon. After that, Supernova Sessions took place with Tyler Bate as the guest. Noam Dar and Shaw Samuels at one point making fun of Trent Seven. Dar also said that Tyler Bates should just relinquish the NXT UK Heritage Cup championship or cup, I guess. You don't have to say championship to him and, uh, and, and save himself from the embarrassment because they have a match next week. And Tyler Bates said that history is going to be repeating itself when they wrestle next week. And Dar will end up losing again, just like he has in the past. Dar takes a cheap shot at Tyler Bates and then escapes. Main event, we saw Jordan Devlin pick up the victory over Joe Coffey. Before the match backstage, we saw Gallus steal uh, Jordan Devlin's jacket. And that led to uh, uh, Joe Coffey coming out wearing it. And then Devlin attacked him before the match started. As far as the match, I thought it was a good match. I really thought Joe Coffey was going to win this. But Devlin was able to hit a headbutt, like a last-ditch headbutt. Goes for a 450 splash, which he connects. Coffee kicks out. Devlin then picks him up, hits Devlin inside, picks up that victory. That is NXT UK. Moving over to WWE Crown Jewel. On the kickoff show, we saw the Usos pick up the victory over the Hurt Business. Usos super over. In Saudi Arabia. It was a good match. I think the, the fans really helped add to it. Nothing more to say from that though. After that, the actual card kicks off Edge. Picking up the victory over Seth Rollins in a Hell in a Cell match. Fantastic. I would even say this might be a match of the year candidate. I thought this was so good. We saw Seth Rollins going for Edge's eye, which is something we haven't seen in, in a, a bit from Seth Rollins. That adds to this feud. Like, he brings back old aspects of his character for this. We saw Seth Rollins use the Unprettier, which we know is Christian's finisher. I liked one of the best table bumps of all time, maybe. Maybe. Seth Rollins 
goes up for a frog splash. Edge pushes him off and into the Hell in a Cell cage. And he falls down through the table. I thought that was brilliant. We saw Edge hit the Edge-O-Matic on the steel steps inside the ring. I liked Edge doing the the chair elbow drop from the, the top rope, which commentary explained was a throwback to his Hell in a Cell match against The Undertaker, which was thanks to the advice from Mick Foley. In that match, he did it off a ladder through a table. But we saw Seth Rollins hit a sunset flip powerbomb off the ladder. He put Edge through the table with that. Rollins hit a few super kicks, and uh, which that's kind of like shades from Madison Square Garden. He then wrapped his foot in a chain so he could do another super kick, and he sets up for the stomp onto a chair. And Edge moves out of the way. He picks up the chair, kind of low blows Seth Rollins with that. I thought that was an awesome spot. Edge hits some super kicks of his own. And then he takes the chain. He does a like a crossface with it, maybe a camel clutch you'd call it. And then uses a wrench to do the crossface with. Edge ends it by hitting the stomp onto a chair. I thought this match was just absolutely fantastic, like I said. Next up, Mansoor picked up the victory over Mustafa Ali. Commentary said that this was the first time two Muslims ever went one-on-one in a uh, WWE history before. So that was pretty cool. And the match was good. I was expecting a bigger pop from Mansoor's entrance, but it definitely grew throughout the match. Mansoor hit a, uh, what is it, a springboard neckbreaker, perhaps? You would describe it as to pick up that victory. But afterwards, Mustafa Ali jumped him, and a mystery person came out in disguise. He took the head wrap off to reveal that he was Tarek Hamdi, an Olympic silver medalist in karate. He knocked Mustafa Ali out with a kick. I thought it was funny because Michael Cole's like, oh my God, do you know who that is? And I'm like, no, I don't know who that is, but he's a silver Olympic medalist. So I think that's cool. And the fans knew who he was, regardless of me not knowing him. And it was a super uh, hot moment for the, the crowd. After that, RK Bro picked up the victory over AJ Styles and Omos to retain the Raw Tag Team Championships. Riddle came out with the scooter and then decided he wanted to ride the camel to the ring. There were camels ringside for their, for I think the whole show, but I wasn't expecting that. Uh, The match itself I thought was just okay. I hope this is the end of their feud. But we saw the phenomenal forearm get countered by an RKO. Orton tagged Riddle in and he hit the floating bro to pick up the victory. After that, the finals of the Queen's Crown Tournament, Zelina Vega picked up the victory over Dewdrop to become the Queen. This match, it was uh, it was okay. I didn't expect Zelina Vega when she went for that Code Red to actually be able to hit it. I thought Dewdrop was about to reverse it, but that's what she won with. I'm just disappointed that this whole tournament, I don't think it reached 20 minutes. I think that's a shame, but... Zelina Vega, I'm looking forward to seeing more of what she does with this character now. After that, Goldberg picked up the victory over Bobby Lashley in a no-holds-barred Falls Count Anywhere match, which I went in with super low expectations, but it wasn't the worst. 
Lashley started out with a chain in his tights. He wraps it around his fist. Uh, At one point, we saw him using a chair on Goldberg's knee. Bobby Lashley went to spear Goldberg through a table in the corner. And Goldberg moved out of the way. Lashley gets put through it ultimately by himself. Goldberg goes to hit a jackhammer. Hits it. And instead of pinning, he takes off his gloves. He throws Bobby Lashley out of the ring. He's looking to kill Bobby Lashley. He hits the slowest spear through the, the barricade. Then we see at one point the Hurt Business come out to back Bobby Lashley up. I'm not sure why Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander wouldn't go at the same time with their kendo sticks, but Goldberg takes them both out. He ends up using the kendo stick and then spears Bobby Lashley off the ramp through some tables. I think that was the highlight of that match. And like I said, it didn't suck. After that, the finals to the King of the Ring tournament, Xavier Woods picked up the victory over Finn Balor. Another good match. I think I would have been happy with either of them winning that. But I think it's really cool to see Xavier Woods pretty much manifested this for himself. He went on for months talking, bring back the King of the Ring. I want to be King of the Ring. And now they brought back the King of the Ring. He ended up in the tournament. He ended up in the finals of the tournament. And he ended up winning the tournament. So I'm looking. I'm here for King King Woods. After that, it was followed up by Big E's match. Picked up the victory over Drew McIntyre to retain the WWE Championship. Good match. The fans, I thought, were uh, super behind Drew McIntyre here. Like, they popped huge for a Claymore. I liked the ending of this, Big E. I would assume, I mean, I'm going to call it a Tilt-A-Whirl big ending. I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, it's nice to see Big E still be WWE champion. After that, Becky Lynch picked up the victory over Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. This match, again, was fantastic. Bianca Belair, that one-handed press slam, I thought was great. I thought they did a lot of cool reversals and double team spots in this match. We saw a bank statement and disarmor spot, double spot. I thought that was cool. Becky Lynch did a double disarmor to both Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, which Bianca Belair reversed by lifting them off of her. We saw Bianca Belair hit the kiss of death and then Sasha Banks ends up ultimately throwing her out of the ring to uh, try to get that advantage. But when she gets back in the ring, Becky Lynch rolled her up and grabbed the ropes to pick up that victory. That left the Raw Women's Championship, uh, the SmackDown Women's Championship on Raw. After that, the main event, Roman Reigns picked up the victory over Brock Lesnar to retain this. Paul Heyman teasing that he's going to walk out to the ring with the Universal Champion and walk back with the Universal Champion, not saying who he's walking back with. I would have loved if they swerved us big time and we see the emergence of another Paul Heyman guy from the past, Cesaro, where Paul Heyman could have somehow worked his worked it out where Cesaro got added to this match, wins the WWE Championship, effectively turning on Brock Lesnar and Paul uh, Roman Reigns, leading to Cesaro being the WWE Champion. 
or the Universal Champion. But that didn't happen. As far as this match, the fans here super split. And I thought it was really good. Brock Lesnar kicks out of a spear. Roman Reigns kicked out of the F5. Brock hit an F5 into Charles Robinson at one point. Which Roman Reigns would have totally been down for a three count. Brock Lesnar picks him up with one arm. Uh, Charles Robinson drops him out of the ring. Turns around into another spear. And then Paul Heyman tosses the title into the ring and said, you know what to do with this. Who was he throwing it to? Nobody knows. Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns had a tug of war over it, which Brock ends up getting the title out of that. But he ends up eating a double super kick from the, from the Usos. Roman Reigns ends up using the title. And Chad Patton ran down, does a three count, picks up that victory. I would have preferred no interference, but I I actually really enjoyed this match. But that was WWE Crown Jewel moving over to SmackDown. It opened up with Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns, where Roman Reigns questioned Paul Heyman if he's doing things for Roman or if he's doing things for Brock. And Reigns hyped himself up, saying he's the best universal champion, which... I think it's very hard to argue that he's not. There's only been eight of them. And Roman Reigns, yes, Brock has held it a lot longer. Um, but Roman Reigns has been quite dominant. And he, they addressed Brock's statement from earlier or after uh, Crown Jewel, his tweet, saying that when he gets to SmackDown, as soon as he gets there, he's going to beat Roman Reigns senseless. Roman Reigns ends up calling Brock out and refused to leave until Brock Lesnar showed up. And just as he was about to leave, Brock actually showed up, which leads to a brawl. Brock goes to F5, Roman Reigns to a table. We saw the Usos stop it. Brock tosses them around through a low kick, which I don't don't know if we've seen that before. We might have. I just don't think uh, that's a part of Brock's moveset quite often but I could be completely wrong he also went after Roman Reigns he threw around some referees some agents Adam Pierce sent the roster after Brock Lesnar to stop him and the bloodline got away but Adam Pierce said that Brock Lesnar's actions were unacceptable and then suspended him indefinitely Brock made his way back to the ring made Adam Pierce say it to his face and then hit him with two F5s I thought this complete segment was fantastic. About a half hour, a little bit over a half hour long. I thought it was great. After that, backstage, Sonya Deville was on the phone trying to deal with everything. Naomi approached her because she wants a one-on-one match against Sonya Deville because what happened last week with Shayna Baszler, she thought was unfair. And then Sonya Deville just told her to get out of her face. Then Drew McIntyre approached her and said he's going to the ring regardless of her permission. To issue an open challenge. And he went to the ring. Issued that open challenge. Which was answered by Sami Zayn. Who now has new theme song. Uh, it, it starts with his old theme song. And then goes into like a generic gimmick. I don't know. I'll have to hear the full thing. But as of right now. I don't uh, understand why they would change his theme song. But Sami Zayn put himself over. As the longest tenured member of the Smackdown roster. And then also accepted Drew McIntyre's uh, challenge by hyping himself up. 
McIntyre, of course, picks up that victory over Sami Zayn, which I thought was going to be a Claymore and a quick pin. But Sami Zayn starts the match off playing cat and mouse. I like Sami Zayn playing up, being the leader of SmackDown, being the longest tenured member. We saw Sami Zayn go to hit a Haluva kick in this, even mock the 3-2-1 that Drew McIntyre does right before his Claymore. And as he ran towards McIntyre for a Haluva kick, he got hit with the Claymore. After that, we had a King of the Ring coronation where Kofi Kingston hosted. Xavier Woods said that his reign is going to be fun, but also fair. They had everybody chanting, Hail King Woods. And I thought this was going to lead to uh, like somebody interrupting and a, a new feud. That didn't happen. After that, we got a Zia Lee video package just saying that she's coming soon. No date was given. We saw Mansoor versus Mustafa Ali. Mansoor picked up the victory there. The draft, to me, is supposed to change things up. They say shake things up themselves. So I hated that we saw this Raw feud continuing. The match itself was uh, it was quick. It was decent. I liked the sunset flip roll-through powerbomb that Mustafa Ali did. Uh, he also went for another sunset flip at one point, and Mansoor held down his legs to win. We had Ridge Holland, Aaliyah, Umberto Carrillo, Angel Garza cut backstage promos to basically introduce themselves. Sheamus was also part of this and basically said that no introductions are necessary, which is 100% true. Then we saw Hit Row come out to introduce themselves, and I thought they were going to end up being heels on SmackDown, but Top Dollar was high-fiving people, and then... Swerve and Top Dollar picked up the victory over Dustin Lawyer and Daniel Williams, two of the most generic-looking dudes ever. Hit Row obviously dominated the match, and uh, I'm thinking maybe they're going to be faces, and I'm looking forward to more matches with Hit Row here. After that, we saw Happy Corbin pick up the victory over Shinsuke Nakamura. Somewhat of a generic match, but Rick Boog started playing guitar for a second time during the match. And Madcap Moss took him out or or stopped him from playing the guitar. And then Shinsuke Nakamura went after Madcap. Uh, Happy Corbin went after Nakamura, tossed him back in the ring. And basically hit the uh, end of days to pick up the victory there. Uh, earlier in the evening, we saw Kayla Braxton interview Sonya Deville about Adam Pierce. Sonya Deville said that she had offered to Adam Pierce to go out and tell Brock Lesnar uh, everything earlier in the night that he was going to be indefinitely suspended, but he insisted on doing it himself, and then she had to deal with the the title exchange, and that could be dangerous. And we get to the women's championship title exchange, which. For me, the worst case scenario is them swapping titles. The second worst case scenario would be Charlotte Flair being a double champion. The fans were chanting for Becky Two Belts. And with about five minutes left after they switched titles, Charlotte proposed a winner-takes-all match on SmackDown. Five minutes left. Sasha Banks came out, Becky Lynch left to go to Monday Night Raw, and then Sasha Banks ends up attacking Charlotte after Charlotte said some negative things towards her. Sonya Deville stops it. Uh, Again, worst case scenario here. 
I hated when New Day and, and Street Profits did it. I hate when Charlotte and Becky Lynch did this right now. I would have preferred for different champions if they were going to be on different brands. And to me right now, Charlotte Flair is a 15-time champion. I include NXT. WWE doesn't, so she's a 13-time champion. But 15 titles, getting really close to 16. Her next reign is 16. That was SmackDown. Hey, Brandon. Got any shout-outs? Hey, wow, this is Owen Wilson. You're listening to Brandon's shout-outs. The first shout-out goes to Peacemaker coming to HBO Max. They dropped the trailer on Saturday, and I think it looks pretty good. The Suicide Squad movie was pretty enjoyable, so that made me look forward to this series on HBO Max. And I think John Cena continues to knock it out of the park with this character. I definitely didn't think I would have enjoyed something from DC, that, but... I mean, I enjoyed Joker, and I'm enjoying, I enjoyed Suicide Squad, and now I'll enjoy Peacemaker, I assume. Subway is getting a shout-out. It had been almost a year since I've had anything from Subway, and I was really craving it, so I got some. I typically, uh, I ordered the tuna, and I know that's a hot debate whether or not it's real tuna or not, but I just know that it's real good, and I enjoy eating their their tuna, and I enjoy eating Subway. And uh, with Halloween fast approaching, I have to give an anti-shout-out to candy corn. I can't say that enough. It's disgusting. Nobody should eat it. Throw it away. Those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for my... That is right, my mark out moment of the week. I watched Dark Side of the Ring last week, the episode about Luna Vachon, and they interviewed her son on it, and I was sitting there trying to figure out how I knew him, and I thought maybe he was a wrestler at first, but then I'm like, there's no way he was a pro wrestler. So I had to look him up, and I and it I saw on, the, on Google, I almost said the Google, it was Van from... Two seasons of Hell's Kitchen. That's what I knew him from. And I was like blown away that that was her son. Because on on Hell's Kitchen, I had no clue, obviously. I also definitely marked out that Chucky will be at Halloween Havoc. I discussed him last week. Um, I said earlier in the show, he has history with Rick Steiner. So hopefully he's with Braun Breaker. Maybe. Who knows? And that's... Purely a wrestling standpoint mark out. I have no connection to Chucky whatsoever. I, I've never seen the movies. I don't, I'm not watching the, the television program that you could find on USA Network now. Not a big horror, uh, horror movie fan. So it is just strictly wrestling based. Also, uh, mark out moment. We don't really talk about New Japan anymore. But Shibata returned this week. Which is not something I thought we'd ever see again. He was injured in 2017 in his match against Okada after a headbutt that he gave. 
He had emergency brain surgery, and pretty much he'd been retired since then. Like we've seen him, he was a uh, he's been a coach at New Japan. We saw him get physical a few times, not like a a match though. He got jumped, but this match it was a quick exhibition match against Zack Saber Jr. The time expired, so there wasn't a winner. And he said, next time we see him in the ring, it's going to be an actual match. So it's really cool that Shibata is back. And right off the bat, I'm like hoping to see him versus Brian Danielson. 100%. But that is my mark out moment of the week or my mark out moments of the week. That is episode 559. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Marking Out, me on Twitter and Instagram, Dave on Twitter and Instagram at BTTG161, and David PTDPT, Chris on Twitter at Chris Sweendog. Check us out on Instagram at Marking Out11. That's the same for YouTube, Facebook.com slash Marking Out. Uh, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Marking Out. Buy some t shirts. Use the code REGARDLESS for 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. Check us out on Spotify Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts, and you can check us out on MarkingOut.com. I wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Have a fantastic week. Bye.